What's good, everybody? Welcome to Stats and Mags. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, is Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hi, how are you? It's Friday. I'm happy. My sister's coming into town. I realized I just asked how you were, and then I just took, I just answered for you that we're happy. <laughs> That's fine. You know what? How are you is not even like, you don't really care how the other person is anyway. Let's be honest. That's completely true. Yeah. I hope you're just having a terrible day. Well, it, so here's the thing. This is the schedule. You reached out to me yesterday and you said, can we start at 9 a.m. on Friday? And I was like, OK, fine. So my schedule is I have to drop my son off at school and I usually get back to my house at like 845. And I know that I need to eat something before we start because I'm a I'm a high energy guy. You might have noticed. So I need some fuel. So I'm starting to eat and I'm shoveling food in my mouth to try and finish my breakfast before 9 a.m. before we have to start. And thank (laughs) God you messaged me and said, hey, I need an extra five minutes. I was like, fantastic. I couldn't have been happier because now I actually had time to digest my food instead of just inhaling it. You know, I'm always late. You know, you would have time. I'm always I always tell you time and then I write you. I'm like, oh, I'm running five to 10 minutes late. So, you know, you have that extra little space there. I was sort of hoping that you would message me because I have noticed a a bit of a trend. So thank you. But I can't (laughs) I can't say anything because last week was on me. We didn't have a show last week because I was a little under the weather. And so you might be late, but you show up and I didn't answer the bell last week. So that's on me. Are you feeling better? That's that's key. Mm, A little bit. It's weird. I haven't been sick in a year because we've all been inside. And then like so I got vaccinated. So I've kind of started to go out a little bit more and. Bam, right away. Sick. I was saying, like, once we all start getting colds again, it's going to be so weird. And we're going to be like, oh, no. I feel like even when I get a cold, I'm going to think like, oh, no, COVID, even though I'm vaccinated. But then also being around people, if they like they cough or something, you know, we're all going to look around and be like, oh, yep. what's going on? And it's just a cold. Yeah, but I'm like, I think I'm changed forever now. Like, honestly, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be much more aware, like, oh, we have to go do this and there's going to be all those people there. Like, I'm pretty sure I'll wear a mask during cold and flu season at certain points. If it's bet like I'm uh, this is it now. There's no like going back for me anyway. Yeah. And, you know, some people are against the whole mask thing, but I wore them all year. We still went to restaurants safely, but I never got a cold. And I'm like, you know what? If wearing a mask kept me from getting cold, like colds are annoying. Like it was great not having a cold for the last year and a half. Yeah, that's that's sort of what came back to me. I was like, you know, this this whole being sick thing, it really sucks. Like, you, yeah. you kind of forget. <laughs> you really do. All right. So we've got a lot on the agenda because uh, for those that don't know, Michelle is also a researcher for NFL Network. And as part of your duties there, you had to take a deep dive into the 49ers. And I was really looking forward to getting into that with you last week. And so now we had to delay it a week. So there's no excuses. I want I want you to bring it here. Drop some knowledge on us. Oh, I absolutely will. I love doing these deep dives because you really get to see, OK, what 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 were the issues? Why did they struggle last year? What can be changed? And what's most interesting is to be like, do they have the pieces in place for the change to happen? And if you're writing these, you know, writing about these teams, they, they didn't put the pieces in place you're like ah this kind of stinks they're probably going to be just as bad next year but I think the 49ers have have the pieces to make the changes and be good so I'm excited to talk about all that I'm excited to see if because obviously I have my observations as to why they've struggled and I want to see if the things that I have observed just watching the games match up with what you have dug up in your research 
Oh, we should get into it then. But I, before we get into this research, I did need, like, we need to talk about the injuries because it's boggling my mind. It's, it boggles my mind how one team can be so unlucky. Like, there has to be something wrong within the organization. So that's what everybody has been saying now, right? I feel like the worm has kind of turned and it went from, oh, the 49ers are so unfortunate. What bad luck to have all these injuries. And now I think people are just so pissed off about it that they're looking for someone to blame. They don't like that it's just circumstance. So now it's Kyle Shanahan's fault because his practices are too hard or it's John Lynch's fault for bringing in guys with injury histories. Like they want people want someone to blame now and people are not going to give them the injury excuse anymore because what they say is it can't just be luck. They must be doing something to cause these. Yeah. Or is it the field? Like they have to figure out what it was because you said that they changed the whole staff around uh, for the conditioning and making sure like players are staying healthy. So if they change the staff, you would think, I, I, it seemed like the injuries got worse with the new staff, right? Like <laughs> last year was the worst it could be. You already have three major injuries this year. Now two of the guys were not planned starters anyways, but still you don't want to lose depth. It just, it's crazy. And now they have to cancel mini camp. That's not a good thing. Yeah, and they, Kyle tried to sell it like, oh, we were planning on canceling it anyway. And maybe he was, but you can't tell me that the injuries that they've had so far were not a factor in that decision. Like, I I will never believe that. I mean, Jeff Wilson got injured standing up out of a chair. Like, I don't know if there's a voodoo curse on the 49ers or what, but like, these are professional athletes, world trained human beings. Nobody on the planet is in better shape than these guys. And you can't get out of a chair. I can't get out of a chair. Jeff Wilson <laughs> should be able to do it. Yeah, and is there any other team that canceled minicamp for Kyle Shanahan to say we're planning on it? Are there other teams that have canceled? The Texans have canceled minicamp. Um, I have heard that a couple others are planning on it, but right now the only two I know for sure are Houston and San Francisco, which I guess Houston just figured, you know, they were going to be good enough anyway. They don't need the extra practice. I was going to say, I don't think you really want to follow the Texans' plan. Like, that's <laughs> not really where you want to go. But I was going to say the opposite. They already know. Like, they're picking first next year, so why practice, right? Like, they don't even need to do the season. They're first right. overall pick. Nothing can save them from their fate <laughs> at this point. You mentioned the Levi's Field thing, and that's interesting because because I saw a tweet from our own Akash Anavarathan who pointed out that since 2014, the 49ers have had injury problems. It's not just Kyle Shanahan. The adjusted games lost rank for the 49ers since 2014. They have been no better than 23rd every single year. They were dead last last year. They were 27th in 2019. So even the year they went to the Super Bowl, Michelle, they still had a ton of injuries. The difference between last year and 2019, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo stayed healthy. Nick Bosa Mm -hmm. stayed healthy. And I think they were able to compensate for those other losses because those two guys were there. Yeah, absolutely. And then maybe they do need to look into a different field, a different practice field, a different stadium field like figure out something you have to make some changes because clearly whatever uh you're doing right now is not working so just continuing to follow the same process you're not going to see different results that is exactly what everybody has been saying like that is why i feel like the the worm has turned because people are saying whatever you're doing isn't working so change something now kyle tried to argue earlier this week that they do change things that they do tweak things every year they try to load manage whether if they have a heavy day one day they follow it up with a lighter day 
all that stuff, both of those things could be true, right? It's possible that the 49ers recognize that there is an issue and they have tried to alter their schedule. And it's also possible that those changes just flat out haven't worked. A hundred percent. And I do think now the biggest thing was like, okay, we can't lose Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Because when your team goes down or when he goes down, your team goes down. At least now they do have, even if they want to, for some reason, start Jimmy Garoppolo over Trey Lance, at least they have a real backup. And I think instantly the team is already better right there having that backup plan. Yeah, except the problem is, let's say they give it to Trey week one and he gets hurt. Then you bring in Garoppolo. He also gets hurt. So you need to really have a number, a good number three. Like Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't made it out of September in three of the four in uh, two of the three years that he's been with the 49ers. He hasn't made it out of September. Forget like all 16 games. So he gets hurt like right away. So that's why I, I don't think it's as secure to just say, oh, well, Jimmy can be the backup and you can count on him. Like, no, that's that's not the case at all. Yeah, but I would say most teams, all teams do not have three deep at quarterback. So if both two guys get hurt, like you're not going to get very far in the season. You have to hope at least one of them would stay healthy. But the difference between the 49ers with Garoppolo and any other quarterback since 2017, I mean, it's just massively different. Not even just the record, but points per game. They score 8.3 more points per game with Jimmy Garoppolo in the game over, you know, you had Brian Hoyer and CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins. So like now Trey Lance coming in, that will be different. Like you're not going to see that drastic of a change. So instantly right there, I think you're in a better spot, at least with injuries. And then obviously you need all your other core pieces to stay healthy as well. I do think that that is goes into the thinking. Like I, I th- really think that Kyle Shanahan thought he could still piece it together last year. And I think his thinking was like, if I just got average play at the quarterback position, I'll figure it out. Like he's a good enough play caller. They have good enough players at the other positions to make it work. And they didn't get average play at quarterback. They got hideous play at quarterback. They got turnover prone play at quarterback. And the season, they went six and 10. The season went up in flames. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing right there is the giveaways. But it wasn't just last year. Like 109 giveaways under Kyle Shanahan since 2017. That's tied for the second most in the NFL. They had 31 giveaways last year, second most in the NFL, only behind the Broncos. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, even himself, when he's in the games, it's not like you guys are just not turning it over when he's in there. He averages over one turnover a game since 2018. He's one of nine other quarterbacks to do that. And the quarterbacks he's with is not good. It's Jameis Winston, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Baker, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dolan, and Eli Manning. Like, that's not a group you want to be involved in. Maybe Baker Mayfield, but that was including his uh, rough two years to start the his career. And the wild thing is he's not even passing it deep down the field. So how is he turning the ball over so much? And I think that's also a big reason why they selected Trey Lance. Zero interceptions in 2019 at North Dakota State. Very different, right? Like a different (laughs) competition. But still, throwing zero interceptions throughout a whole season is impressive no matter who you're playing against. And this is the thing, too, that seems to be contradictory. How can we say... Kyle Shanahan is awesome at getting guys wide open, but also have Jimmy Garoppolo with all these turnovers, right? Like if Kyle Shanahan is so good at getting guys open and he seems to be because I Mm -hmm. watch the games, dudes are wide open. And yet with multiple quarterbacks, they have not been able to protect the football. That seems to contradict one another. And yet 
it be? Yeah, it does not make sense. And Kyle Shanahan is so good at getting people in space. Yards after the catch, I mean, the 49ers are the best in the NFL at doing it. They average, like, they're not getting their yards to the air. That's for sure. They're averaging (laughs) 6.7 air yards per attempt last season, third fewest in the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo is not throwing the ball down the field. He has attempted a pass 15-plus yards down the field on just 17% of his passing attempts since 2017, since he's been with the 49ers. That's the fewest among quarterbacks with 25 starts. Like, he's not throwing it down the field, yet he's turning the ball over all of the time. So how does that work? Um, Because the other guys I mentioned that he's with, like, those are guys that love to throw it deep. Like, it makes sense why they're turning over the ball, because they're making these splash plays, like, so you kind of you kind of take the giveaways with that. But, you know, if you're passing at six yards down the field, like, how are you turning it over so much? I don't know. And there, there's also a difference between throwing an interception on a six yard pass and throwing an interception on a 40 yard bomb down the field. At least if it's 40 yards down the field and you make the tackle relatively soon, it's kind of like a punt. Right. But if you turn it over on a short pass, you're really setting up the other team's offense. A hundred percent. And I know some people will br- like bring up Jimmy G's stats and be like, look, he's like one of the best in the league and in, in yardage and completion percentage and blah, blah, blah. But it's like so much of his stats have come from yards after the catch. It's from his playmakers. It's from Kyle Shanahan just give- giving him the perfect system. 53.9% of his total yards uh, have come from yards after the catch. So he's had 7,352 total yards with the 49ers and nearly 4,000 of those yards have come after the catch. He has the highest percentage of yards from after the catch among all quarterbacks with 5,000 yards since 2017. He just relies on that. And I think part of it is Kyle recognizes that Jimmy doesn't have the strongest arm and doesn't have the most accurate deep ball. So he's not asking him to do that, which is fine. But like you said, the benefit of that is supposed to be that you don't turn the ball over because you're attempting far riskier passes. So now if you're losing the benefit of the deep ball, which is the big plays, and you don't have the benefit of protecting the football, like what is going on with your offense? That's not a formula for success. Yeah. So that's why to me, I'm all aboard the Trey Lance train about starting him right away because Trey Lance could do the exact same thing. Like he could throw the ball six yards down the field and behind the line of scrimmage like that. You're not going to lose anything with Jimmy, uh, with Trey there. And potentially you could have a guy that throws fewer interceptions. So you stand to gain if, if Lance does those things. Yeah. Trey Lance, his air yards at North Dakota state, 11 and a half air yards per attempt compared to Garoppolo 6.3. Again, different competitions, different levels of like, it's, it's completely different, but still he liked to throw it deep. Uh, only Justin Fields has a longer air yards per attempt. I had to bring that up. Oh, uh, here Fields we go. So good. But no, <laughs> when you're comparing Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo with their deep passing, it's not even close to the same. I mean, Garoppolo has now started 30 games for the 49ers. He has nine deep passing touchdowns. And when you're looking at deep passing, that's 20 yards, air yards down the field. So it does not count uh, yards after catch. He has nine deep passing touchdowns in 30 games. Trey Lance had 12 just in 2019. <laughs> just in his 16 games in 2019, he had 12 touchdowns to one interception. Garoppolo's had nine touchdowns to six interceptions with the 49ers. It is clearly not his strength, I think. And it's clearly something that Kyle wants to do. I think he wants to 
go for those chunk explosive plays as he likes to call them down the field. He just hasn't been able to do that because he tailors the offense to the strengths of the quarterback. I talked with Chris Sims yesterday and that's going to go on the Niners nation YouTube page. I think later today, and it'll also be a podcast next week. He did not seem super confident in Trey Lance's deep ball. He said he thinks it's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but his issue with Lance on the deep ball is that basically he said it's like a golfer that can only hit one club. He can hit a five iron that's like on a rope and rip it downfield, but that's the only club in his bag. It's the only shot he's got. He doesn't throw like the high arching moon balls like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. And so he thinks that if if Lance can do that and change it up, he'll be a better deep ball thrower. But right now he kind of only has the one shot in the bag. Yeah, I mean, you've heard me talk about Trey Lance. He definitely has his accuracy issues. He's going to take a lot of attempts, and I don't think he'll turn it over, though, because his arm is so strong. He's just going to overthrow guys, and that will be okay. You're kind of going to live with that because you're like, okay, we'll get another play, right? It's not going to be underthrown and picked off like a lot of the times when you're seeing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, Trey Lance is just going to miss his guys because he went too deep. But I will say, like, besides even bringing up his inconsistencies and what he might struggle with, um, in his rookie season, like I think it's so important for this offense to change a bit because, yeah, that's great to have these little dump off passes and get these yards after the catch and move down the field slowly when your defense is as dominant as they were in 2019. But if you fall behind in a game and you have to come back and you're relying on 10 to 12 plays to score, like you're never going to make your way back. You have to be able to score quickly and get those chunk plays. And that's something that Kyle Shanahan has said. Like, if you want to score points, it's hard to go 10, 12, 13 plays down the field every single time. And it takes a lot of time to do. Like, it just physically consumes a lot of time on the clock. That's part of the reason I think Raheem Mostert has been so valuable for this team because they can run the ball and still get those big explosive plays because he's just so damn fast. And we yeah. saw it We saw it last year. I mean, the first couple games of the season, week one in Arizona, I think he had like a 65 or 70-yard catch and run for a touchdown. And then the Jets in week two, first play of the damn game on offense, he takes it 80 yards. So that has been a huge, huge asset for the 49ers because, like you said, they're not making those big plays through the air, and he can provide them on the ground. But like seemingly everyone on the team, he just can't stay healthy. <laughs> Well, maybe that's a big part of their health, right? Like they're they're trying to do all these plays because they're going short, short, short. So you're on the field for so many more snaps than a, another team that's just like getting chunk plays. You're getting hit more often. You're running more routes or whatever, you know, you're doing having more snaps. So that could definitely play into the whole health thing as well. I hadn't thought of that, but that's a really good point. Like if you can't make big plays, you have to play more football. And the more football yeah. you play the higher your chances are of getting injured. That is a ben- uh, an added benefit of having like a bigger play offense that I had not thought of. That's two pods in a row where you have blown my mind with, with one of the points that you've made. Well, thank you. Yeah. No, I do think this is just opening up the offense is just so key as well because 
when you're passing at six yards, it's, it's not the same. I want to compare them to the Steelers last year, but it's not the same because Kyle Shanahan is actually a good play caller and he gets his guys open. <laughs> the Steelers were just like, we're going to pass at five yards, but there's going to be a defender right on this guy and he's just going to get blown up like instantly and not be able to get yards as a catch. It's not the same, but still when you're passing it so short, all, like all of the players are right there. So you're also going to just get hit more as well. They need to open up the entire offense. And I do think they were just kind of in a bad situation to be able to do that last year. I mean, you had Moster, Devo Samuel, and George Kittle all miss eight-plus games. Like, when you're missing those three key components of your offense and you're relying on just a rookie who was amazing, Brandon Ayuk, it becomes a lot harder to be successful. So we'll kind of give them a break there, but we're seeing this trend since 2017. So it's not like it was just last year. The I think that's Kyle's point, too, is like, Hey man, if if Debo goes down, I'm okay. If I got my other guys, like I'll be fine. Just don't take away everyone from me all at once. Like that has to be the frustrating part from him. It's like if I could just get one guy to stay healthy for any extended period of time, we'll be okay. I mean, look at Richie James in that game against the Packers. He was the only guy the 49ers had, and he had like 160 yards or something like that. Like Kyle's like, just give me one guy here. Oh, yeah. I think he had like 20 targets that game. He was uh, the DFS angel darling that week. There was one more um, point that you wanted to make about the 49ers offense, Michelle. Before we take our break and get to some of the defensive things, uh, what was the last nugget that you found on offense for the Niners? Yeah, so I just think it's not even so much a nugget. I wanted to just bring up how we are not appreciating two players enough. And it's George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. I know, I know people love George Kittle, but we're not appreciating the greatness that they are because they're being overshadowed by two other guys, right? Like George Kittle gets overshadowed by Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is so fantastic. And he's on the, you know, he's on the Chiefs and they just keep winning with Patrick Mahomes. But George Kittle is so stinking good. He's the, he has the second most receiving yards per game in his career out of all tight ends in NFL history. And the only one that has more is Travis Kelsey. And that's why he's being (laughs) overshadowed. It's Travis Kelsey at 71 receiving yards per game in his career. And then George Kittle at 67 and a half. Like he's right there behind him. Rob Gronkowski's after George Kittle. And then Kellen Winslow Sr., Hall of Famer, is right uh, right below Rob Gronkowski. It's like what George Kittle has done in his career is absolutely absurd, and we're not giving him the love he deserves. And obviously, when he misses eight games, your offense is not going to be the same. Like, George Kittle is the most important part of your offense. I don't even think it's the quarterback. It's, you know, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, fine. Give me one of them. But if George Kittle's not in that game, you're not going to be as good. You need him there. And you know what? He's going for the record to have the most receiving yards by tight end in his first five NFL seasons in NFL history. All he needs is 1,174 receiving yards, and he uh, surpasses Jimmy Graham for the most in the first five years. He's going to get it if he stays healthy, right? Like, it's what he always does. Uh, He's so stinking good, and people need to appreciate him a little bit more. And the 49ers need to make sure that he is healthy all season long. It's funny because a lot of people have said that about Tiger Woods. Like, Tiger is so good, and he's winning so many tournaments that we're not realizing how good the other people are that he's playing against. Like, you know, Phil Mickelson would have more major wins if Tiger Woods wasn't damn near winning everything. But Tiger's there, and he keeps winning, so it it sort of skews our view of that. The thing with Kittle, too, like, if you were going to compare him to Kelsey, I would say, look, 
Kelsey's had Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball, like the most talented quarterback of his generation. Yeah, yeah he's going to put up good numbers. George Kittle set the single season receiving yardage record by a tight end without Jimmy Garoppolo, with Nick Mullins and a bag of cats. Like, he's been putting up his numbers with terrible quarterback play, so that makes it even more impressive. I just want to see George Kittle score more touchdowns. Like, you can't be as good as he is and not score more than five touchdowns in any season in your career. Yeah, and I do. Like I said, I think this is the year we see him blow up in touchdowns. As long as Trey Lance is playing, I think that opens up the entire offense around the goal line. But like like you just brought up, like he's been doing this with all different quarterbacks and mostly terrible ones. And when you're looking like... When you're comparing what he's done, he compares to the best wide receivers in the NFL, not just tight ends. It's like he's averaging 75 receiving yards per game in in each of the last three seasons. And when you're looking at that, that's Julio Jones has done that. DeAndre Hopkins has done that. He's had Deshaun Watson. Uh, Devontae Adams has done it three years in a row. He has Aaron Rodgers. And then Travis Kelsey's the only other one. And he has Patrick Mahomes over the last three seasons. So it's Julio, Hopkins, Kittle, Adams, and Kelsey. Those are the only players who have averaged 75 receiving yards per game in the last three seasons. That's an amazing list. And to be a tight end on that list with the quarterbacks that he's been playing with, like he's being overlooked of how great he truly is. Well, they really need him to be that great and shine now because he's on the big contract. And I keep saying it over and over again, you need your guys that play on those big contracts to show up and be A-plus players because it's a salary cap league. And so you're by definition, the more resources you give to them, the less you have to give to anybody else. So those guys have to produce for you. That's why I agree with what you're saying, and I really hope we do see a 12, 13, 1,400-yard season from Kittle. And I want to see double-digit touchdowns. Like, yeah, it's a really good year. I get that it's a lot to ask, but that's what the money is for, to quote uh, Don Draper. Yeah, and I think he'll get it. They need to target him. They need to use him uh, in the red zone, in the end zone. I do think he has a – obviously, he's – well, good enough to like, they should be targeting him. And I think once the whole offense opens up, George Kittle will be the man. I'm drafting him in fantasy football. I will have him over, you know, everyone's in love with TJ Hawkinson. They want to take him over uh, George Kittle in fantasy just because he's the new shiny thing. No, don't be stupid. Take George Kittle. He's <laughs> so stinking good. Uh, obviously, he needs to stay in the field. But really, this last year was the only year he truly missed games. I feel like the big shiny toy tight end is Kyle Pitts. Everybody thinks Kyle Pitts is going to. Do you realize the over under for Kyle Pitts on yardage in in his rookie season is 875. If he gets over on that, that would be, I think it's the second or third most receiving yards by a tight end in his rookie year of all time. Like, and I think he gets it. I think he gets it. See, I think the expectations for him are way too high. Like, you think he gets it? Yeah, I do. With Julio Jones gone, I really, truly think he is a unicorn. I think he's so good. He could play wide receiver. That's how good he is. I think he gets over that 800. What did you say, 75? I think he gets 875, over 875, yeah. yeah. It's wow. a 17-game season, though, too. So you get an extra True. game. But I, I would I would hit the over on that pretty hard. Like, I would put some good money down on that. This is, I'm totally putting you on the spot, but it, it makes my point, so please forgive me. Do you know who has the rookie record for receiving yards by a tight end? I think it's Evan Ingram, isn't it? He's second, I believe. Second or third. It's Mike Ditka in 1961. <laughs> is it like, really? 
Yes, that's how hard it is as a rookie tight end. The guy set the record that stood for what now? 60 years? I mean, it's crazy, but that it's hard to be or make a tight end, uh, make that uh, transition, excuse me. Josh Norris, formerly of NBC Sports, said it's the hardest position of them all to transition from college to the pros. So to me, the 875 is wild. Uh, but if people want to draft Kyle Pitts and let me have George Kittle, like I'm not going to complain. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. George Kittle should be going well ahead of Kyle Pitts. Because even if I'm saying Kyle Pitts can hit 875, like it is risky. And you know, George Kittle's hitting that like you like beyond that, if he stays healthy, like that's the biggest thing. But if he stays healthy, I mean, he's going to well uh, destroy that number. So, yes. And then speaking of rookies. Like Brandon Ayuk's rookie season is getting so overshadowed because Justin Jefferson uh, had just an absolutely amazing rookie season, all like broke all those records. But that does not defeat what Brandon Ayuk did. Like we should not be just overlooking that. Uh, he led all rookies in targets per game. He had the second most uh, receptions per game and receiving yards per game, uh, just behind Justin Jefferson. He was one of five rookie wide receivers to average five receptions per game since 2010. And the other four were Odo Beckham, Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, and Jarvis Landry. And Ooh. all of those guys uh, ended up having 95-plus receptions and were selected to the Pro Bowl in their second season. So the first three did it. I guess we have to see what Justin Jefferson does because he was just last year as well. But Odell, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry all had over 95 receptions in their second year. I think Brandon Ayuk can be like, I know you're worried. He's the next Dante Pettis, you know, like a guy that yep. flashed and just went away, but Dante Pettis didn't do close to what Ayuk did in year one. And I do think he's way more talented coming out of school. I think you have a true superstar here at the wide receiver position. Debo Samuel can be your tough dude, like your Juju uh, and Quan Bolden, but you have a true superstar in Brandon Ayuk. And we're overlooking it just because Justin Jefferson destroyed the season. Yes, it's clear to me that Brandon Ayuk is the more complete wide receiver. Like Brandon Ayuk can run the same like jet sweep plays and running plays that Debo Samuel can can run. And he also can run routes and get open deep. Like so he's like Debo yeah. plus. Now he's not as physical as Debo because that dude is just a he's just a monster. But I, I love the skill set that Brandon Ayuk has, and I'll never forget Kyle Shanahan's reaction when they drafted him in the first round. He was like outwardly like cheering and celebrating <laughs> and this was in a wide receiver class that was absolutely loaded when I saw that I was like one Kyle was a wide receiver in college he's an offensive genius as a play caller but he clearly knows the position so for him to be that excited we must have gotten a stud and like you're saying right now everything points to him being that good yeah we're, we're seeing that now with the Jets when they took Elijah Moore he was supposed to go yes. in the first and they're so pumped to have him and the reviews coming out of camp is that he's just been so good and it makes me very excited because Elijah Moore is my uh my dude I saw that like you know how it is coming out of camp like reporters have to give updates and and I saw one for the Jets and it was basically like I know I say this every time about who flash but it's Elijah Moore again yeah. just doing things and I keep thinking of you because I know he was your crush he yeah. was like the, the player that you loved more than any other and I kind of like feel happy for the Jets because I feel like they never have that guy on their team they're like a running defensive team that's who the Jets have been let's get them a dynamic playmaker please like it's about I think one every 40 years is okay 
Yeah, and I've been calling Elijah Moore AB 2.0, Antonio Brown 2.0. It's going to happen. Wow. I'm like, I'm that, so excited for him. That's crazy to me. Like, do you realize how good Antonio Brown was with the Steelers? That's a lot of expectation to put on Elijah Moore. Yes, I do. I do. And no, I don't expect that immediately, but I do think he has his skill set, I'll say. Obviously, for him to actually become Antonio Brown should be a Hall of Famer. We'll see if it happens. I mean, his whole personal issues might get in the way with that hopefully elijah moore is antonio brown who doesn't go crazy yeah that'd be nice um yeah but i agree with what you're saying on brandon Ayuk. i hope that we see you know him get a chance to produce at what we think he can do because i feel like he more than anybody else on offense was held back by just the disaster of a situation at quarterback i feel like if he had any sort of consistency there he would have flashed like Justin Jefferson, maybe not to that extent, but he would have thrust himself into the conversation on the national stage. Yeah, and the fact that he had this top five rookie season with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard, like the sky's the limit with this dude. I, I I really think he's so good. There's so many great pieces on your offense because like we're just kind of throwing Debo Samuel to the side, but he is an awesome offensive weapon like you want him on your offense I don't want him in fantasy but that doesn't mean he's not great for an NFL team and then Raheem Mostert who missed eight games last year like he's so good when he's actually on the field he opens up everything too he can he is that guy who can get a massive chunk play for you and that's not normal for the 49ers like you need him on the field he's averaging 5.4 yards per carry since 2019 that leads the NFL uh, for guys that have over 150 carries since 2019 Uh, that's a lot of guys and he leads the NFL in yards per carry like he's so good he's also just a player I mean this is the theme of the podcast stay healthy and that's why they drafted Trey Sermon and I because I feel like Kyle just if you looked at Kyle Shanahan last year he aged in dog years like it was he did got wrenching like it just took it out of him all of a sudden he started growing the beard the beard started growing in like all gray it was just an absolute gut punch for him last year and I think his message to John Lynch and everybody in that organization was like this cannot happen to us again he even said the injuries hit us before COVID did they've built in redundancies in the entire roster you mentioned it quarterback now running back, you look, they have Trey Sermon and they drafted uh, Elijah Mitchell and they brought in Wayne Gallman. You look at the offensive line, they drafted two guards on the offensive line to really sh- try and shore up the interior of the line there. They're bringing in defensive linemen like crazy. Like they have the depth at defensive line that is going to serve them so well this year as they try to keep everybody fresh and rotate it. They basically have redundancies built in and injury insurance, so to speak, built in on almost every position except for linebacker and secondary. But other than that, they are doing everything they can to try and avoid just the absolute train wreck that was last year. Yeah, and you're so right. Kyle Shanahan looks so rough by the end of that season. Like, if you look at a picture of him before he became the 49ers head coach and after, it's like, it's only been four years, dude. Like, (laughs) what happened to you? He's aging like a president. Yeah, he really is. Poor man. Poor man, because he's a cute guy. But yeah, it's the, his face just looks like sunken in, like just so tired. (laughs) All right. So then now you mentioned that he's a cute guy. So now I have to ask. Who is the best-looking NFL head coach? Is it Cliff Kingsbury? Uh, Yeah, it it has to be. Do you think, because I know a lot of women think he is, like, devastatingly good-looking. He seems like, all right, a fine-looking human, but I don't think he's, like, he's no Jimmy Garoppolo, I'll say that. Yeah, I was going to say, no, yeah, I don't think, I wouldn't look at him and be like, oh, God, he's so hot, but if you're, 
when you're being compared to other NFL coaches, it's not very hard. Like there's wow. not very many great NFL looking uh, head coaches, but uh, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is a special human being. That's for sure. It's very handsome. At least, at least off the football field. All right, let's take a break because I know there's something about the defense that you want to bring up and I don't want to slight the D They're obviously very important. So we'll take a quick break and we'll do that when we come back. We're back here on stats and mags. Okay. We spent the first half of the show giving the offense a little bit of love, but we don't want to slight the defense. They get paid too. And uh, obviously, Michelle, for the Niners, it's Nick Bosa. Like, it all hinges on Nick Bosa. A hundred percent. I mean, last year you saw the defense regress in pretty much every category, points per game, yards allowed, uh, takeaways, and sacks. And I think sacks is the biggest issue of that defense. Uh, 2019, the team had 48 sacks. And then in 2020, it went down to 30, 18 fewer sacks. Uh, they only had 126 pressures in 2020, fourth fewest in the NFL. Uh, average time to hurry, like to put some pressure on the quarterback. 3.3 seconds it took them. That was the slowest in the NFL. That's what they averaged. And I think the biggest part of that is they were missing Nick Bosa. And when you miss Nick Bosa, that's the difference between 2019 to 2020 because he opens up that entire defense, right? Like, the other team has to focus in on him. He's distru- uh, like just ruining everything for the opposing offense. And then he allows his teammates to also have some room to play, some space uh, to actually uh, destroy some things there for the offense. Last year, Nick Bosa was so good. He was a rookie. And I again, we're just, I, I think 49ers fans need to be like more appreciative, right? They need to realize what they have in these really special players. There's so many key parts uh, to your team. But nine sacks, 25 quarterback hits, 16 tackles for loss in his rookie season. And then an additional four sacks in the playoffs that we just ignore. Like that's pretty awesome as well. But he was just the second rookie to have eight eight or more sacks, 15 or more tackles for loss, and 25-plus quarterback hits. The other guy was Von Miller, uh, and Von Miller had a pretty special second season, 18 and a half sacks, 28 tackles for loss, and 25-plus or 25 quarterback hits, and he was an all-pro. Like, that was in his second season. We haven't got to see what Nick Bosa has done in his second season yet, and I think the entire defense falls on his shoulders. Can he be a superstar? Not just good. He needs to be a superstar. And if he's a superstar, he's going to help that entire defense. And creating pressure will cause uh, the offenses to have more turnovers. And it's going to help your entire team so much. I can't remember if you said this because there was a lot of really good information there. How many pressures did the 49ers have last year on D? Did you have that in your list? Yeah, 126, which was the fourth fewest. I'm correct. I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Nick Bosa had 80 pressures his rookie year. Just Nick Bosa did. (laughs) So the Niners had 120 some odd last year as a team and Nick Bosa himself, his rookie year had 80. Like that is that speaks to the impact that he could have. And you everything you mentioned is 100 percent accurate, as always. He does open things up for everybody else. He makes the secondary better because they don't have to cover for as long. But here's the other part of it, too, is that. Nick Bosa's presence alone affects the game before they even get on the field because he is dictating to the offense what they have to do because they're starting their game plan with where's Bosa? How do we stop him? 
okay, we can't run to this side because Bosa's there. We can't run these deep passes because we're not going to have time to get it off because of Nick Bosa. He is impacting the offense's game plan just from a schematic standpoint before they even step on the field. When they know he's not going to be there, that changes everything. So you're right. You cannot overstate how big his impact is for the 49ers. Yeah, and it's not like he has garbage teammates. Like, he has a lot of good pieces around him that he can make better. Like, he's going to make Eric Armstead better. He'll make D Ford better if he's actually on the field. Second year, Javon Kinlaw will be so much better with Nick Bosa on the field. Like, there's so many good pieces, but Nick Bosa has to be the center, like the focal point of that defense, and he will be. And I truly think like he has to not just be good. He has to be a superstar. He has to be Aaron Donald level, uh, TJ Watt level, JJ Watt level. Like he needs to be that level and that will make or break the 49ers season. Like it sounds so dramatic to say, but it, it will make or break. And you need Nick Bosa to be a superstar. And I think he can be like, I think he's that good. There is a potential there for the defense to be close to the 2019 level because like you said if Bosa's there and he's kicking ass that lets Eric Armstead go to the inside when he was on the inside on 2019 he had his best year ever I think he had 10 sacks I'm pretty sure he led the team in sacks that makes him play up to the level of his contract like we were talking earlier lets him produce at that level then you got Bosa and Armstead there then Javon Kinlaw now gets the benefit of having those guys on the defensive line sucking up all the pressure. All of a sudden, things are a lot easier for Javon Kinlaw to make a huge jump in year two. Now you add on maybe Samson Mabukum on the other side rushing the passer or D Ford, like you said, if he can actually come back and play, which would be incredible. Yeah. That Now you're looking at a front for the 49ers that is just a game wrecker. And all of that hinges on Nick Bosa yep and then all of that just helps everybody on defense not just like the defensive line it helps your secondary so much it's so hard to be a good defense and actually create these turnovers and make stops when you're not putting pressure on the quarterback you're not putting pressure on the quarterback and they just have all the time and day back they're like yeah they're going to find a man they're going like a a wide receiver is finally going to get open or tight end or running back like you need to bring the pressure and the pressure you know, it'll change the entire defense heading into 2021. So Nick Bosa back instantly just makes that defense so much better. And then I love just like, I feel like Fred Warner just doesn't get talked enough about like such a good linebacker. His coverage skills is like just absurd. Like, so that's another great piece of that defense. Uh, You have all the pieces in place. It just has to all come together. Like I do think like when we just talked about the offense and the defense, they have everything in place they need. Now just put it together, and they are a Super Bowl contender. It's just, can they stay healthy? Again, we've said that one million times today. And can they just all gel together as one and put this thing together? Come on, they can do it. That's the thing. It's like we're so close. And everybody outside of the bubble, I think, is laughing at the 49ers. I know my fellow hosts on the SB Nation NFL show, Brandon Lee Gowden, RJ Ochoa, have laughed me out of the building. They think I'm crazy. They think it's arrogance on my part to even suggest that the 49ers are Super Bowl contenders. But I feel like it's like it's there. I'm not wearing my 49ers glasses. If you look at it objectively, which I love today's show because you – laid it out fairly objectively like this is not just our fandom taking over this is real this is a real thing they are on the edge they are so close and and i just pray that they 
even if they don't get all the way there, like just give me a fun ride this year because by week two last year, my season was over. Oh, no, I know. And I mean, laying it out like this, you see, okay, what were the issues and are there actual realistic reasons to believe that they can fix those issues? And I think there are, I mean, in every area that they struggled last year, they have a piece in place to fix that. And I think that's so important. I I hope I just I want to skip ahead like give me the fast forward button so we could get to the actual games because guys are getting injured already now I just want to like get to the football because like you said everything is set I just don't want to see anything wreck that hopefully it won't hopefully everybody stays on the field they stay healthy whoever the hell they have at quarterback actually keeps possession of the ball which will let them score points. It, it's all potentially there are like two very different versions of the 49ers we could see in 2021. Oh, we could yeah. see the six and 10 <laughs> team again, or we could see the 13 and well, I guess 13 and four now because you got to go 17, but we could see a 13 or 14 win team. And if it's a six and 10 team, I think next offseason is going to be a rough one for the 49ers because how does Kyle Shanahan continue to, you know, be looked at the same if then four out of his five seasons he missed the playoffs? Like, that's going to be that's going to be a big question. They need to be a good team this year. They need to get into the playoffs uh, for Kyle Shanahan to have a to feel good about his job security. There is no more juice to squeeze out of the fact that the 49ers made the Super Bowl. Like they yeah. got a pass last year because there was a ton of injuries and because they were coming off a Super Bowl. But that's not there anymore. That is, that has dried out. The sand in that hourglass has run out. There are no more excuses. And I hate to say it because it's not Kyle's fault that all these guys got hurt, but but people don't care anymore. Now it's win or go home. We don't care how good your offensive system is. We don't care about the cruel whims of circumstance. Win, and that's it. And hopefully they do. We still have three more months. Three more months away from <laughs> the beginning of the season. Oh, Lordy. It's all right. We'll get through it. We're going to be here for you every day, every week. Don't worry about it. There'll be plenty of 49ers stuff that happens because God knows this team, it's almost unlike any other team, Michelle. Like stuff just keeps happening. There is always something to talk about with this team. They don't go into like summer hibernation mode. So we will be here with you. Again, we remind you, rate, review, follow i guess you got to say follow now because apple changed up their podcast thing so i'm going to be hip and cool which is you know exactly what i'm doing right now by explaining it Uh, (laughs) so please follow us if you have a question especially for michelle because she's a lot smarter than i am leave it in your review and i promise michelle will answer yeah i will but the that first statement was incorrect i don't know about that enjoy your day everybody enjoy your weekend and uh, we will talk to you next week bye y'all 